And to those of you joining us online, good morning. Lovely to have you with us. Te enoi he whakawhitiwhiti kōrero ki te atua. Prayer, conversations with God. Let me ask you, do you converse with God, I wonder? Some believers do, some don't. Some used to, but haven't done so for a while. Some actually wonder whether it makes any difference, while others keep up a lively dialogue with the divine and can't imagine life without it. So how's your prayer life? There will be many and varied experiences of prayer among us as a body of believers. I wonder what thoughts and feelings you have about prayer. Now, I find that the subject of prayer or the mere suggestion to pray can trigger a wide range of reactions, even among a group of committed Christians such as ourselves. Some people seem to slip into a coma. The very mention of prayer can overwhelm them with tiredness. Others come alive and spend a few minutes hovering above the ground in anticipation of God's involvement in our mundane affairs. Why such different responses to prayer? Well, perhaps it's a little bit like physical exercise. Some of us sink deeper into the couch and feel waves of guilt and apathy at the mere suggestion of it, while others, others of us can't get our lycra on quick enough to go show they, those lazy e-bikers how it's done. Richard Barter, are you present with us today? So, so like all habits of life, uh, some of our responses are simply a reinforcement of existing patterns of behaviour. We can assume then that some instinctive reactions to the thought or suggestion of prayer are learned habitual responses, right? Like those we may have to physical exercise. Prayer, after all, is another form of exercise. It's spiritual exercise. And so, quite simply, like every other discipline, prayer must be practiced if we hope for it to become in any way natural or instinctive. But prayer is more than that. And today, I don't want to bang on about the discipline of prayer, though I just have done so, but I suspect you already know that it takes some practice and it bears some fruit if you persist in it. Rather than talk about effort and reward, Today, I actually want to talk about the true you and the true God who meet together in prayer. You see, some of us are attempting to pray in a way that hides our true selves from God or conceives of God in terms that aren't quite true. So I actually think one of the real barriers to prayer for believers is not just the effort that it takes, but the degree to which we are willing to let God truly see us. And the way we conceive of God when we pray, in other words, the image of God that we bring to prayer. And so I actually want to ask two crucial questions today. Which you are you bringing to God in prayer? And which God are you praying to? Now in our passage 
that Stacey just read, Jesus tackled an obvious form of hypocrisy in prayer, the public kind that seeks to impress others. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. I doubt that's our sin, though. I didn't see anybody praying loudly at the front door of church when I came in today. My wife, who's been a drama teacher, offered to do that this morning. <laughs> Thank you, love. I wonder what you would have thought of that. But I, I didn't see that happen today. There are, of course, more subtle forms of spiritual strutting in us professional pastors are particularly good at some of those, but I'm interested in another form of hypocrisy in prayer that I want to suggest is more common and quite tempting, and it is the subtle temptation to tell God what we think God wants to hear and not what we truly think and feel. And so I suggest that one of the reasons prayer becomes so difficult and so lifeless for some of us is that we bury our true thoughts and feelings and we polish up a few safe prayers that don't let God see behind the veil. Which is deeply ironic because God, of course, sees the human heart. God reads the human mind like a book and knows exactly what we think and feel. Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it completely. We know this to be true of God, yet we can still be tempted to persist in polite forms of prayer or safe prayers or prayers that seek to persuade God of our faith and faithfulness when really we are sitting on something that we need to say to God as God well knows. So I, I actually, it's a bit cheeky, but I picture God dozing off sometimes when we pray, saying to us as he does so, wake me up when you're ready to be honest. When Jesus tells his disciples to humbly go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, I think we can legitimately extend the meaning of this text from not only ceasing any attempt to fool each other with a show of piety, but also any attempt to fool God. God sees not only behind the door, God sees the human heart and mind, as Psalm 139 declares. Professors of philosophy and religion in English, uh, a couple, Anne and Barry Unilov, define true prayer as primary speech, which must first emerge from the unconscious depths of our being before being wrapped in words that express what we truly need to say to God. Listen to something they write. Prayer above all else is conversation with God. It is the primary speech of the true self to the true God. It reaches far below words into the effects and images and instincts, living in us unconsciously into what depth psychologists call primary process thinking. 
then prayer makes use of all we know, verbally and emotionally, our conscious secondary process thinking, forming words and wishes, sent in urgent pleas or in quiet meditations to the Lord. We speak in prayer from our most hidden heart to the hiddenness of God in whose astonishing image we were fashioned and find our true faces. Beautiful, compelling words. They remind me of Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, accessing that primary thought, if you like. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And so the Holy Spirit draws from our depths that primary speech. And if, the, if this all sounds too theoretical and abstract, and you're wondering, well, what does actually spill out of our depths if we pray honestly? How's this concrete description from the Unilovs? Prayer must be the bringing of our full self to God. All the sexual and aggressive fantasies, the fears and mediocrity, the petty faults and the major turnings away, the grandiose wishes and secret longings, the laziness, the angers, the buried hopes and desires to give and serve, the caring for other people, the hatred of enemies, the pain of the suffering and unfairness of the world, the bounding into praise and the falling away into sleep in mid-prayer. All this human stuff, ordered, unordered, disordered, is what we must bring in a big sack and dump out and sort through and talk over with God. I wonder, is this how you pray? Does it sound frightening? Some of us weren't taught to pray this way, were we? We're possibly taught to pray in more polite ways, but authentic prayer is messy, as the Unilovs point out, bringing all the ordered, unordered, disordered human stuff of life and dumping it out before God. It's shocking, but at least it's honest, and that's what counts. The Unilovs aren't merely saying this is the best way to pray. They are saying this is the only way to truly pray. Honest, unguarded self-disclosure. Again, which you are you bringing to God? A safe, sanitized version or the true you? What if God truly knew how we felt about that person who hurt us? What if we were brave enough to say to God, I don't trust you. I know I'm supposed to, but if I'm honest, I don't. I've been too disappointed in this life of faith. What if we said that to God? What if we let God into that one space we keep locked away? within us. The Unilovs pull no punches when it comes to authenticity in prayer. They say what one brings to God is either the true self or the lying self. 
Wow. There's a challenge. No one likes to be called a liar. Now, the lying self is a psychological term. Human beings are masters at presenting a false self to others. We doctor our photos on social media. We do all sorts of things, don't we? We show people what we want them to see, and we do the same with God. We tell an edited version of our story in the hope that others or God will like us, and we tiptoe around the truth with God. We pray prayers that we think will be acceptable to God rather than the prayer that needs to pour out of us. And so I want to ask, what are you not saying to God that would electrify your prayer life if you did? What words would wake God up if you found the courage to speak them? What thing do you think God can't or won't accept about you? And so consequently, it never makes it into your prayers, but it acts as an obstacle in your spiritual life. Or what deep desire do you have that feels too fragile, too precious to trust to God in case it shatters or is unfulfilled? after you entrust it to God. And yet, it is possibly the one thing that God is longing for you to voice so he can say to you, I know that desire. I placed it in you. Watch me fulfill it in ways you can't even dream of. It takes courage to bring our true selves to God, but it deepens our faith as we do so because we are choosing to let God into the depths of our lives and we're trusting him with what he finds there. When we think of faith and prayer, we tend to think of trying to muster up the faith to believe that God might answer some prayer request. But there is a deeper dimension to faith and prayer, I suggest. And that is the faith to stand before God and say, I'm not afraid to let you see me. Or even more courageously, I am afraid, but I'm going to let you see me anyway. We must learn to stand before God and allow ourselves to be seen. Hence our first question for today, which you are you bringing to God? Bring the true you. Now for the second question, which God are you praying too? And that's an important question also, and not unrelated to the first one. Just as we are capable of presenting a false self to God in prayer, we're actually equally capable of envisioning a false God to whom we pray. And any distortion of the true God in our hearts and minds will make prayer difficult, and it will tempt us to continue to hide our true selves from God. And so images of God that accompany Christian prayer range from Santa Claus to Sergeant Major and from an indifferent or distracted parent who we must beg for attention to one we think we can bargain with to get what we want. And so there are, of course, an infinite number of possible distorted images of God to whom we might pray, but there is only one true God listening to our prayers. So how true is our picture of the God to whom we pray? 
Jesus, of course, defines God for us through His life, through His ministry and teaching, revealing and building on what Yahweh revealed of Himself to Israel. And in Jesus' teaching on prayer in our passage for today, He reveals a great deal about the God to whom we pray. If we mine the Lord's Prayer for what it says about God, we learn first of all that God is other than us, holy and praiseworthy, that He rules over all things. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. Furthermore, we learn that this king wants our earthly realm to align with his will. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. So firstly, the true God to whom we pray is not deficient in power, glory, or good intent. Is this the God you pray to? Do you see God in these terms? And yet this all-powerful, holy God is nonetheless intimately concerned with our basic needs. Give us this day our daily bread. It is in God's nature to provide. So do we hesitate to pray for provision, unsure of God's interests in our basic human needs? Do we ask God, ask a willing God for work if we're unemployed, for finance if we're skint, for a place to live if we need accommodation, for human friendship if we're lonely? How quick are we to bring these human needs to a God who provides? Then there's that quite unnerving request for forgiveness coupled with a promise to forgive others and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do we see just how ready God is to forgive sin yet, coupled with that, how hypocritical it is to ask God for forgiveness of our sins while we hold the sins of others against them? God forgives readily, but he won't condone hypocrisy. We too must forgive. And there's that stern warning about not doing so at the end of the Lord's Prayer. And so as you pray, do you actually see the true God a God who gave his son, not only for your sin, but the, for the sins of everyone who has wounded you in this life. Do we actually see a God intent on forgiving everyone, as uncomfortable as that thought may be? Which God are we praying to? One with limits on his grace and forgiveness, or one scandalously without? And then there's the God who confronts evil on our behalf and doesn't test us beyond what we can endure. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Not that we escape suffering or injustice in this life, we don't. Yet we pray for strength in the face of suffering, injustice or persecution, knowing that in the crucified and risen Christ, we have a God who's not indifferent to suffering, nor impotent in the face of evil. And so do we pray for God's protection, understanding that God intimately knows what it is to suffer and will walk with us in our trials? 
And so you see, even from the Lord's Prayer, Jesus defines the God to whom we pray. But God will also actually define himself to us, redefine himself to us directly in prayer if we are listening. And so let me share a personal story uh, from my life. Two years ago, while taking a sabbatical from Christian leadership roles, I had an exchange with God on a beach one day in the Manawatu. Don't think that because I'm a pastor, prayer comes naturally to me. It doesn't. In fact, I wandered that beach for quite some time, wanting to pray, not knowing what to say, wanting to connect with God. Then a quiet question passed through my mind. Really simple. What are you thinking? I sensed it was God actually inviting me to speak uh, from my true self to the true God. I answered without thinking. I said, I'm not in ministry. I'd been thinking about this precious break that I was taking from the pressures and demands of full-time Christian ministry, the sabbatical journey of healing and rest and restoration that I was on. A second question popped in my mind. How does it feel? God and I were now conversing. The questions I felt came with no catch, just curiosity, interest, an invitation for me to express myself to God. There were no right or wrong answers, only truthful or guarded ones. My unguarded response caught me by surprise. A flood of tears, a form of primary speech. Decades of leadership roles in churches and Christian organisations where good people can nonetheless hurt one another or use their positions of power to dominate others had taken its toll on me. I'd been quite hurt in ministry. I knew that I had also hurt others along the way, but I'd taken quite a beating, especially um, just prior to that season. I told God through tears just how painful it had been. But guess what God said next? Quiet but very clear. You don't have to minister, Jim. I love you. Now don't underestimate the power of those words to a man who actually has struggled in life at times to believe that love is truly unconditional, even God's love. Now, couple that with a sense of calling to vocational Christian ministry, and I sometimes forget that God simply loves me for who I am, not for how I might labor or serve him. Love and service. God detached those two things for me that day, and the relief was overwhelming. I knew in that moment that it didn't make a scrap of difference to God whether I continued in vocational Christian ministry or not for the rest of my life. I could do anything as a job. God would love me no less. I felt lighter afterwards. I drove away from the beach. I laughed. I felt joy. A weight lifted off me. Because the God I sometimes had in mind, who I prayed to, loved me to be sure, but possibly loved me just that little bit more for all that faithfulness through the thick and thin and tough stuff of Christian ministry. 
But that's not the true God, right? So God redefined himself for me that day in prayer as unconditional love. Which God are you praying to? One of the ways to check your image of God beside Scripture is simply to let God speak to you in prayer and redefine himself in the process. And if your image of God shifts one degree closer to the truth, your image of yourself is likely to shift also because the two are always related. God is love and we are the objects of his love. They are two sides of the same lens. If you clear one side of the lens, the light passes through better in both directions. And so I hope that you will have the courage to bring your true self to God. Pour your heart out to God in prayer. Have an honest conversation with God. Tell God what you really think and feel. Don't be afraid. God's not going to frown and say, oh, how could you possibly say that? He's more likely to sit up and say, now, that's worth listening to. He's a God of truth. He knows when he's listening to truth. No matter how raw or irreverent it sounds to your own ears or the, ear, or the ears of others. And as you courageously bring your true self to God, just be aware that the God to whom you think you are praying may not quite be the God who responds to you. Because as you show your true self to God, guess what? You meet the true God. Let me invite the band up, and as they come, I want to pray for us. Thank you. Father, Heavenly Father, rather than confess a lack of discipline in prayer, today we confess any dishonesty, any hiding of our true selves from you, where we have tried to play it safe by showing you only what we want you to see and speaking only what we think you want to hear. Forgive us, Lord. Help us stand before you in vulnerable honesty, presenting our true selves, unvarnished, raw, inviting you into the depths. Meet us there, Lord. Draw out of us primary speech. Speak to our souls like you did to me on that beach two years ago. Redefine yourself for us, Lord, if we need to see you differently so that we learn to approach the true God in prayer. Lord Jesus, lead us into prayer lives that reflect your own, full of truth, humility, courage, and faith. Holy Spirit, help us pray. Amen.